2: The Around the NFL Podcast is down with the get-down.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal sitting in for Dan Handis, and I'm surrounded by a room full of heroes, Mark Sessler, Colleen Wolf, and Chris Wesseling back from vacation. Good to be back. I mean, literally right back from vacation. Right from the airport. It was a bit of an adventure.
1: Yeah, I've been here since Thursday. I just haven't left the studio.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Chris rolls in like a complete hero today. I feel like I'm about 40% today. I mean, you're coming straight from the plane. You lost your uh, lunch on the plane, we hear. You had a long week in Cincinnati and and Tybee Island. I did. Some highlights. Cincinnati
4: is a much neater city. The first time I've realized this since I've moved away. Mm. Much neater city over the last 10 years.
3: Neater, like... Cooler or it's neither, cool. there's so many more things clean.
4: to do. Uh, I had two of the best dinners I've had ever in my life.
1: What did you have?
4: A tri-tip sandwich from a place <laughs> called Taft's Ale House that was phenomenal. <laughs> Ooh. They talk about this place in San Luis Obispo that has these famous tri-tips. Not even close. This to is this.
3: the PG version of your trip, though. Well, wait. <laughs> something you've eaten did not agree with you. Uh,
4: yeah. Something I ate last night came back to haunt me on the plane. But and you Tybee were was great. Tybee's were you on the fun.
2: aisle and you could quickly get up and go to the men's room? I was by the window,
3: and I had to oh, get the oh, whole no. row up. Yes. That, that's embarrassing. It Wes was. is in a complete fever dream scenario right now. <laughs> uh, Wes, he's straight from the flight. He took connecting flights today. He's fighting through pain. He shows right up. It's great to have him back. We will have Dan back for Thursday's show. We're uh, taping a day earlier than we told you about today. Monday and Thursday this week. Hopefully, we'll get back to three shows a week next week. I mean, but it, it's good to see you. It's good to be back. It's good. I mean, it feels like. Well, you never really know
4: if I'm going to come back when I go to Tybee.
3: Well, you also had good news uh, uh, during your break. Well, that's true. Do you feel any closer to leaving the NFL media company um, after this trip? No, I don't think my body can
4: physically handle living on Tybee. I mean, it just. (laughs)
1: Sounds like a great time.
4: It was incredibly awesome. And, you know, you go around. If you're only there for a weekend, everybody I see is just, you know, bear hugs and smiles. It's just awesome.
3: You, you also mentioned you heard good news on your trip because you listened to our letters uh, from the future, which was a very popular segment. Thank you for all your uh, feedback on that. And you found out that you're still hanging out with Mark in 25 years at, at the local bar.
4: I like that the alien invasion has not prevented us in any way from doing what we do.
3: Well, yeah. like I was saying, like much to the dismay of
2: probably my entire family, we are still downing beers at a seaside <laughs> bar, roughly 30 years from now.
1: I am still wondering about the visitation and why it's snowing in LA. Mm. But you know, I'm just glad the whaler is still here.
2: Yeah, I mean, we can only go off what we got right. in the letter, and it was very
3: vague. So I, I'm with you. I maybe don't, future just, letters will spell that out for us. We'll see. Who knows, Colleen? How was your weekend?
1: It was great. My sister's in town, so spent some time with her. She's coming uh, off of a road trip um, with somebody that she met in Bali, in Australia. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
3: Well, they, you know what they say, no one parties like the Wolf sisters.
1: That's uh, right. <laughs> so,
3: uh, TD, back behind the glass. Are you planning to leave the show within the first five minutes this time?
5: No, I am here for the show, guys. Just uh, sipping on some very, berry tea from Starbucks and uh, sat over <laughs> some more disturbing Russell Wilson tweets the Sierra. You but, got endorsements now? Yeah. Product placement? <laughs> Try If you have anything you want to jam into the show right now, I'll give you the no, chance before I ask you to start again, the news. Just more disturbing Russell Wilson tweets. I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm just going to move on. But just hanging here with uh, co-pilot Brandon. Just chilling. That's good. Know? All
3: right. Let's do some news. <laughs> Before we get to the news, we will point out this is a big show. We're going to talk a little uh, position battles later in the show. We're going to tape some of that. That will be up on NFL Now and NFL.com. But let's start first uh, with Reggie Wayne. Not a lot of huge news out there. There was a report this weekend that uh, a number of teams were showing interest in the former Colts receiver, Patriots, Ravens, Texans, Packers. Some teams have now put out there through reporters that they are not that interested. Do we expect to see Reggie Wayne in 2015? I do.
4: I think that, you know, of course he's lost a step, but I think the injuries, you know, as we talked about last year, he had three or four injuries he was playing with, and he just wasn't the same guy. If he's healthy, why not give him a kick the tires a little bit, see what happens.
2: I mean, if you're Bill Belichick and you've – admired Wayne for his entire career isn't that a perfect type of New England signing and fans hate that every time anyone is available of course we we matched him with the Patriots but the New England does this kind of thing and is he better than I don't know Brian Timms or someone like that we don't know he was he was don't
4: not healthy Brian last season.
1: yeah and you look at yeah he's coming off the uh, surgery for the torn triceps and he also had some elbow issues but he, that really contributed to why he didn't put up a lot of good numbers last year and rosters like the Ravens, they could use just, if anything, just somebody a serviceable backup, if anything else. And that
2: fits because he's not going to want to go play for a team that's, you know, staring down a five win season. I think he wants to win.
3: That's true. But I think he'll play, he wants to play and he's not going to have options. I think his 80 yard catch in week 17 against the Titans really stands out to me as one of the sadder, Plays you'll see because he couldn't run anymore. He got an 80 yard catch out of the play, but he couldn't move. And I just thought there, like, are we watching the last play, essentially the last significant play of Reggie Wayne's career? I I don't think he's going to be back. It's a bad sign this report came out. um, And then within hours, uh, both the Texans and Patriots, there were local reporters saying they don't have any interest. So that's totally
2: dismissing the, well, the concept I just had. Well, who
3: knows? Maybe that reporter's wrong. You know, people are off. I wouldn't shock me. Maybe if he if he signed after Week One, when the the contracts aren't guaranteed, but wait, the hidden story here is it not bad for the Titans that
2: a guy who can't run scored an 80-yard touchdown on them. <laughs> ah, well, he,
3: he was open. He was open by like 50 yards or something crazy like that, and he couldn't he couldn't move down. I think uh, he's gonna really start that clock to, to Canton. Do we think Reggie Wayne's a Hall of Famer? If it is, is it?
4: I feel like this debate has debate come up every year over Twitter for the past mm. five years, and I specifically specifically remember an Andre Johnson versus Reggie Wayne debate, and I think Johnson was a much, much better player.
3: Oh, I don't think it's close. I think Reggie Wayne will have a decent chance, though, if you kind of compare him to Tim Brown. If he gets in and Steve Andre. Smith doesn't,
4: I'm going to be incredibly upset. All that Hall of Fame I'm going to renew my threat. just depends who's the out there, fame.
3: though. Cameron Hayward. Uh, You you know, it's a little thin right now. These are really (laughs) kind of the last shows we're doing. And these are the shows where we make our money. I mean, I was proud of Thursday's show. We did Letters from the Future. That was great. Yeah, it was fun. We did Senior Superlatives. We're just making things up out of thin air, let's be honest, because there's no news right now. We're about a week away from training camp happening. There was some news, though, on Friday. It was late Thursday night, really. Cameron Hayward uh, signed a six-year deal with the Steelers just quickly – you know, he's getting almost $10 million per season. They've been looking for guys to kind of build around on defense. Cameron Hayward's clearly a guy that they feel they can build around.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they kind of had to keep him considering all the losses that they endured during the offseason. You look at just from a continuity standpoint, they sort of need him to be there to keep the guys that are there together. They're,
4: they're, yeah, go on. Their best defensive player is Lawrence Timmons, who, you know, you look up and all of a sudden he's, entering his ninth or tenth season he's no longer a young guy I think they're going to build around Cameron Hayward and Ryan Shazier
2: he's one of the few guys that you know produced in terms of sacks last season he can rush the passer and it's hard and that defense relies on that and they don't have you know there's a massive transition happening
3: there. I didn't realize how well he played at the end of the season he ended up with seven and a half sacks 12 QB hits and 38 hurries which is Big production for a 3-4 defensive end, and in most of it was in the last half of the season. Reminds me a little bit of Jason Worlds, uh, who came on at the end of his rookie contract. The Steelers have been known to develop these defensive guys slowly. I mean, that's what they used to do, and they don't really have as many of those guys now. Hayward's a the guy they like. Timmons is now—it's weird to think, but he's the big veteran guy there. All the big names are gone. They need other guys, and we'll talk about that a little later. Jarvis Jones, they have a rookie, Bud Dupree. I mean, they need some other people to step up. It's a
2: good thing their offense is going to score about 35 points a game.
3: It's the Bizarro Steelers, a totally mediocre defense and uh, a great offense. Uh, Another great offense, of course, uh, my New England Patriots. (laughs) I mean, they just rolling (laughs) through. Uh, Julian Edelman had some quotes this weekend that you – you don't want a, a mad Tom Brady. That Tom Brady right now is a little bit ticked off. And if you're an opponent, that's not the kind of Tom Brady you want to see. Do you think this sort of off-season stuff, a ticked off Tom Brady that he's upset, makes any difference in the world?
4: Zero. I think he plays every game like he's pissed off. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's already one of the most hyper-competitive people to ever play in the NFL.
2: I mean, I think it matters a little bit with a guy like Adrian Peterson where he is seems like a house on fire. Brady, you're absolutely right. I mean, remember him coming down the tunnel at the Super Bowl? And this, oh, It's man. no different than week three. That was, he is
4: honestly, the same
2: dude. Goose
4: pimples. Yeah. We've
1: mm-hmm. seen him look really angry on the sidelines when things aren't going right. But to me, this quote, it's just like, uh-oh, Tom Brady's angry. Better watch out for the Patriots. Well, Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I <think> you're going <laughs> to watch out for them anyway.
4: He's just good. That's the, that's the problem well, for the other has, team, not that he's angry. He always
3: angry, though, and I think keeping that edge – is what a lot of great players do to stay great. And there is something – I don't think the fact that he's angry is going to make them any better necessarily. But I do think it's not a bad thing for this Patriots team and Tom Brady coming off a title that felt like a coronation, like the the title, the, the final thing that they were trying to get in this whole Brady-Belgic era – that this story, that the fighting back against the Flake, it gives them something different. Okay, here's something different. We just won a Super Bowl. If there was any chance of even getting a little complacent, this season is totally different, and we can kind of separate that and be pissed off about that.
2: Well, I know the league would rather none of this ever happen because it takes the opener and completely sideswipes that, but the idea that the schedule makers, without knowing what was going on, have this thing lined up where he could come back on national TV against, of all teams, the Colts. I mean, it all feels absolutely fictionalized on some point.
3: The Colts uh, are a team we think could be racking up some big numbers this year. Really, the team like that that we thought would be breaking all the records over the last few years was the Denver Broncos. And Demarius Thomas was quoted during his press conference after his contract was signed that he still wants to be breaking records, that his goal now— is to break 2,000 yards, is to break the all-time receiving record in a season. This comment stuck out to me. I'll I'll ask you guys if if it stuck out to you in any way.
1: It did, just because I wonder if he can do it with Gary Kubiak there now and the system that they're running. I think any other year, yeah, he would have a chance with Peyton and Demarius, them together, they're great. But now with Gary Kubiak in there, I don't know.
4: I think he makes some good points that he was – Basically unproductive the first three games of last year when he was playing through a foot injury. Mm. So if not for that, he could have flirted with it last year. But the big question to me, I think the biggest question in the NFL is which Peyton Manning are we going to see this year?
2: Yeah, and he really had about 100 yards over the first three weeks. And if you tabulate out what it what he would have done if it was the way he finished the year, because he had like something like two hundred and thirty in week four. But to Colleen's point, it's not that offense anymore. It's not that offense, and it's America not it's point. maybe not that quarterback. And like I, they they are going to run the ball, and that's what Kubiak's always done. It's still Kubiak had Matt Schaub for many years. He did not have. Peyton Manning if Peyton Manning is the guy
3: we know. So they're not, it's going to be a mesh of what he's been and what the Broncos were as well. I mean, if he did break 2,000 yards, that might be the greatest individual season of all time because 1,900 of them is going to have to be after the catch because all Peyton Manning does is throw him those little bubble screens or whatever and make <laughs> him go run. Well, he's if not, Reggie Wayne can not, go for 80 yards, so can this guy. He's not, catching passes. he's not catching deep passes for Peyton Manning. At least he hasn't been. That was to Tebow's ton. territory.
4: 39-year-old quarterbacks aren't known for taking – Bold chances down the field and throwing balls into tight windows.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that it's going to be a totally different scene. I think fantasy owners uh, are adapting to that. They're going to draft Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas a little later. I mean, yeah, are you mean, taking I them, Colleen? I don't. You a even, fantasy? I don't know person? because
1: no. The thing for me is CJ Anderson that because everybody has him ranked really high mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm like putting him as like number eight on my board.
4: Yeah, the same people were putting Monte Ball number eight on their board. Right? Last
1: year. What is that?
4: And Ronnie Hillman the year before that. I'm
3: not touching. I, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders. If I that's the thing. Why? Another reason why Thomas. I mean, I would say over under under 1,500 yards, just because that's hard to do. And Emmanuel Sanders is on the team. Thomas is a better player, but they're kind of one and one a. It's not like I see Thomas and Sanders as two totally, totally different players. Um, another guy we think will have a a big year this year. Uh, is Khalil Mack. And we'll wrap up our news just with a quick note that Khalil Mack was our number one player on our Making the Leap series. Uh, the award-winning production um, on many continents, it's a big international <laughs> box office hit, uh, has Mark, wrapped up for the third. Mark season.
4: tried to get it shut down at one point.
3: Well, less work in the summer. <laughs> well, you you're. let's be honest. I enjoyed it this time. You were a little time. shell-shocked from some of your players last year. Some of all of our players didn't play as well. And as you would have hoped, and it, and it felt like it, you took it personally.
2: Well, I had some tomato cans thrust on me. and oh, I was go, go write 10,000 words about this shell of an individual. Really?
3: We were pushing the Jaguars 2014
2: I don't you. remember how it went down, but it did not <laughs> feel just.
1: Wow, so you campaigned against this actively?
2: Uh, well, it was not so much actively because that would have angered Greg, but um, it was <laughs> subtle. It was like maybe we can do without, and, but I was wrong, obviously. One thing Mark is not great at
3: is being subtle.
1: How did Dan get
3: out of it? Whatever little kernels he's
2: dropping, I was yeah. picking up on it. Dan got out of it with a 10-day vacation paired along with his pain rankings, so he put a lot of work into the pain rankings, so he got out of making the leap. Dan, Mark, Mark so- quickly backtracking
3: from that. Yeah, Mark, uh, Dan was doing his pain rankings. That's seven big features in a row. Uh, that countdown continues this week. Number three, two, and one being unveiled Tuesday through Thursday. Dan will be back on Thursday's show, and so we'll we'll have a full pain, pain uh, rankings discussion then.
4: Dan gets stuck doing pop culture things every once in a while so I feel like that balances the ledger out a
2: little bit
3: stuck. get stuck <laughs> that's his thing <laughs> oh. He's that's how
2: you'd view it and that's potentially how I I was just sticking up for you Dan
3: you're saying you don't you don't want to write the Marshawn Lynch playing kickball I don't uh, know what, post, what that means when you were gone last week <laughs> why would, would anybody
4: think? write about a guy playing kickball
3: did was the number one story oh, on boy. the site by far. That does not week. surprise me. Um, Staying out of the- Shout out to yeah. Manuk who wrote that up. I
4: like, I like it when a story takes like three minutes to write, and then it gets all the clicks.
3: All right. Um, that's it for news <laughs> today. Uh, actually, wait. Well, let's, get, let's get a couple thoughts just quickly on, on making the leap. If, if you had any sort of takeaways after doing everything th- this season, was there any, any surprise that you had, anyone that got left off? Any thoughts?
4: I think the most interesting is who got left off. And one guy who we almost shoehorned in after the proceedings already started was Allen Robinson of the Jaguars who drew raves all throughout spring and I liked his
2: uh, rookie year tape a lot.
3: So you you wanted to add if you could do another player on making the leap you would add.
4: I would add Allen Robinson.
3: Okay. Well,
2: the add- one good year that uh Rob Ryan had coaching in the last half a decade, we correctly picked him as a Making the Leap candidate That's right. in New Orleans. And I always like to do a coach. It's the same year I did Dennis Allen Making
3: the Leap. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. That
2: started the softball pants. That's disturbing. I mean, th- we didn't do a coach this time. I We all stayed yeah. away from that. Last year I picked Gus Bradley.
3: That was an absolute tire fire. So though, Well, that thinking- was tough for you because I don't know if, if you've ever been – uh, to Mark's bedroom, Colleen. I
1: never have. Probably not. He's um, no reason for I, that. I was just going to ask anyone here.
3: <laughs> it, it's weird. Mark actually has, to start every season, 32 different posters on the ceiling of all the offensive coordinators in the league. And then as the season goes along, he slowly takes them off one by one. That's how much he loves the coordinators.
2: Because Greg has been. You've been there. <laughs> right. You know.
3: Uh, there you go. <laughs> So no so, coordinator. Somehow this work. is our
2: making the leave takeaway. Um, I listen not a coordinator. Oh, a head coach that I think we missed the boat on, because this is a huge hype-filled boat, and it's the Minnesota Vikings boat, not that boat, a different boat. <laughs> That's and it's There's got a lot of boats. Yeah, well, That's it's a got, lot of boats. It's got Mike Zimmer. How about him? I think Mike Zimmer should have been our making the leap coaching candidate because I think the stars are finally aligning. It's a lot of Vikings. Receivers. We had three
3: Vikings on it as is. Well, Anthony Barr, who, let's be honest, if, if I did it again, I wouldn't have put him number three. I like Anthony Barr. I would have put some of my guys, like Jason Verrett, I would put him in the top five. I think he's going to be Well, he
2: only, really he only rose up because you yourself were on a, a break and came back. Well, he was going to you know, be number five. <laughs> we were yes. moving pieces up because we didn't, you know. He's going to be number five.
3: Yeah, that's a little peek behind the curtain. But, yeah, Zimmer could be. Well, We, we almost gotta, chose him just because we have so many Vikings.
2: If you If all these are correct, if we're saying we're right, then you've got a bunch of good players. You've got Adrian Peterson back, Mike Wallace, You've got Norv Turner.
4: You have got Mike a young Wallace quarterback on the
1: list.
2: No, no. He's, he's not
1: making Yeah, th- no. In Unison, no. absolutely not. <laughs> this
4: team is definitely trending toward team of A.T.L. Though. <laughs> I
1: the,
3: I have a problem because I agree with all that and I like I want to root for the Vikings and yet they have that thing where they're the team now I that, that it's trendy and then I immediately am repulsed by that. So it's how about the warring, Cardinals? Worrying facts. I always like the Cardinals.
1: Well, Teddy Bridgewater came out and he was like, "We're not as good as you guys are saying." Mm.
3: So and weird. you're instilling Green Bay's division, by the way. Right. So, well, that's that's making the leap. 2000. And Any
2: takeaways from Colleen?
1: Uh, I guys, I think he did a great job. That's, uh, <laughs> Should solid it work. Yeah. I'm is gonna... it
2: potentially the last year that we do it in your mind?
1: I don't know what the <laughs> right answer is. To that <laughs> we're question. We're definitely Greg. gonna do it again. Oh. Top
3: twenty. <laughs> okay. You know, it was. On you know, it goes. We're gonna do it. I I really like Verret. I mean, I like. I like when you, you start to like players a little more. I mean, you automatically start to like players a little more if you throw them on there. Ty- Tyrone Crawford's headed for Defensive Rookie of the Year. There you, I mean, Player of the Year. Wow. I'm just kidding. That's not really going to happen. All right, let's get to our position battles segment. All right, we're going to go through eight of the most intriguing position battles across the league. and Let's start with uh, Colleen. No surprise, really, where you're gonna go to start. I
1: know, I know, I have to, but come on, this is a big one—the Eagles' quarterback battle. Um, you look at the quarterbacks that they have now; that it looks like a boy band, essentially. But you have <laughs> um, Mark Sanchez, and you have Sam Bradford up at the top now, now.
3: For anyone watching on NFL Now or on NFL.com, we're doing a video of this. For some reason, our producers put Matt Barkley and Tim Tebow as part of. Well, the they're Eagles completists. They got they're right. going the whole roster. How are they part of the battle?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, technically, I guess, They're but there. not really. Ryan Reynolds also, well, Ryan Reynolds. Doesn't Sam Bradford look like Ryan Reynolds, mm. by the yes, way? Yes, he does. I mean, Dead Ringer. Vaguely. So, uh, but Ryan Reynolds is not coming off of two ACLs.
3: Ryan Reynolds has about as much a chance to win this battle as Tim Tebow.
1: (laughs) That that is accurate. Yeah. So it worries me with the ACL tear. You're still laughing at that one. Um, And the fact, though, that Sam Bradford has never really had good weapons around him. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does with Chip Kelly's offense. I mean, yeah, the receivers in Philadelphia are not great. But you do have a running game that's going to help take some pressure off of him. And then when you look at the games that he played in 2013, those seven games, he was on pace to put up really great numbers. I mean, when you look at the yardage, the touchdowns, the passer rating, that was great. And then Sam Bradford, or and then um, Mark Sanchez, he actually put together some good games with Chip Kelly. Now, good games and
3: some terrible games. As he played, he got a
1: little bit worse. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting regardless. I
2: I think we're not that far away from preseason games. And last we checked, Sam Bradford was not running around at full health. So if you have Sanchez taking the majority of the preseason action and maybe even starting the season, that completely alters – Bradford's departure point and what it even means for this team. I think this is it's more about where Sam Bradford is from a health angle. We've never seen two quarter a quarterback come off two massive knee surgeries like this.
4: Yeah, I think the competition is weighted in Bradford's favor, but like you said, if he's not Look healthy at the money. Enough to do They're it. They're
3: paying him right. yeah. like a That's starter. That's what they
2: want, but you can't just make him play.
3: It's almost Nothing's Bradford versus though. his health. That's right. really right. the battle. Bradford versus his health. And Sanchez versus, like, the memories of Sanchez. Because who knows? In year two, maybe Sanchez could be better. Do you think – I mean, in Chip Kelly's system, do you think Mark Sanchez could be, like, a borderline Pro Bowl type of guy?
4: I think he can put up those numbers. That doesn't mean he's going to win 12 games. But mm. yeah, I think he'll put up the numbers, and I think that all the beat reporters said he was more improved, noticeably more improved this spring.
1: And here's the thing. If Sanchez, though, does beat Bradford and plays all 16 games – then the Rams are sending a third round pick to the Eagles and the Eagles are off mm. the hook for all the money that they signed Bradford for because zero dollars are guaranteed. So they could just release him before the start of the season.
2: Yeah, they're not on the hook for half a decade with Bradford. This is okay right. Let's see what happens in one season. You should never be on the hook for seven Bradford for more than that.
3: I mean, if Mark
1: Sanchez starts
3: all 16 games for the Eagles, that would be a miracle.
1: It would be, but you've, you've seen like what we have Jim a better Kelly chance to do we have a better chance of
3: winning an Emmy than Bark Sanchez does of starting six. Don't games. bury us. Let's uh, let's <laughs> move on to the Rams running back. Correct. I think the Eagles quarterback situation is probably the most impactful position battle in the entire league. Rams running back, maybe not as impactful on a league level, but I find it really interesting. Trey Mason and and Todd Gurley, and you're really talking about again a guy maybe going against. Uh, his own knee injury. Because if Todd Gurley is healthy, you know they drafted him that high to be the guy. But we don't know if he's going to be the guy to start this season, and if he is even close to a hundred percent. Like that is the most fun and potentially fun to watch backfield in the entire league. What? what is, uh, you don't think so?
4: The <laughs> most fun backfield to watch in the entire league. Have well, you watched in the mix?
3: Have, have you watched Todd Gurley's? Any of his any of his came yes. from college is really fun to watch. And to me Trey Mason was great I last love Trey year. He Mason was the best last rookie year.
1: running back in the league. Yeah, but how's their run blocking?
3: Well, we'll see. Well, they, have, uh, they Trey have Mason
4: state. was better than Jeremy Hill? Um no. No, but Trey Mason. <laughs> <bad>. Trey Mason <laughs> though. Jeremy a of it. Here's the thing. Trey I got Mason a little carried away. was in one of the bit. most
2: boring offenses and he still looked he he was the reason that Rams team was somewhat watchable last year. From a fantasy angle, I thought he was interesting as well. I mean, it depends. You you keep picking these internal battles. Guy versus his own ups and downs. Gurley versus knee. It's well, like Mason, that's what it comes down to. Well,
3: but, but Mason is so good, and I know they, they clearly— He's so
2: good that the Rams took another running back at
4: number oh, they, 10 overall.
3: They had a guy who they say was their number one player overall on their board, and it's the NFL in 2015. You get you get two running backs. Mason maybe isn't a 300-carry guy, but he's a lot of fun. To By
2: watch. the way, Nick Foles is your quarterback. We have no idea what's going to happen with that team.
3: Colleen was very concerned about their run runback uh, blocking, uh, but I've got two words for her. Rob Havenstein
1: saucy and I just wanted <laughs> that, to show her that is a picture. good look
3: I mean he's just like a guy that you look at and you think Havenstein
4: looks like a Viking literally
1: he does
3: they have five rookie uh offensive line I don't know you don't need you know you're on turf uh,
1: uh you're going that up that is against not them. promising yeah, Were you
4: oh, heading towards you, you don't need an offensive line, you
3: an right? Offensive line <laughs> all right let's talk about the Texans quarterback situation and uh we have to start with Ryan Mallett, who played just two starts last year. He looked pretty good. He's going up against Brian Hoyer. And uh, our graphic here says that uh, Tom Savage, I believe his name is, is somehow in the mix. How did they get a picture of know. him? How is this? How is I don't this?
2: know. Greg, in theory, this was my segment, but you have tell done me, an excellent job how... <laughs> starting this off. Yet, tell me how
3: intriguing this is. Why? Well, is I don't intriguing? think it's
2: intriguing because I think no matter who wins this battle, it's a, it's a situation where Bill O'Brien, not unlike he had to do with Mallet last year. In that Browns game, they ran the ball a ton down the stretch. He's got a big arm, and we saw Brian Hoyer all last season. You have to mask this quarterback play. Mm. I, look, for all the defending I tried to do a Brian Hoyer last season, statistically, by the end of the year, an absolute bankrupt Passer under center, so I do not know it. He was and and Mallett is a, is a wild card. It, it, the, like you said last week, Greg, when Mallet is not on the field, his myth grows and we think more of him. I think the more we see of him on the field, the less we'll think of him. And so it's probably a situation where we're going to see both of these guys.
1: Who starts the most games for them?
2: I that comes wait. down to injury, but it, I would say Hoyer based on the fact that he has done that before.
3: I'm not even sure this is a battle. I mean, Tom Savage, is, we're not even sure he exists.
4: Well, apparently and, uh, he does. Who's and this guy?
3: I, and I wouldn't be surprised if within a week of training camp starting or less that Brian Hoyer is just the starter.
4: No, I agree with that. If I had a nickel for every time Damashek mentioned Ryan Mount's whip well, he's he can spin it. He's got a
2: whip, you know. Well, Come on. He, the one
3: thing why though, was, he
4: would
2: have played more by now. You in Houston,
4: all just the get beat
3: the writers. Ryan likes. Hoyer. Yeah, That's I think
2: he likes. Well, I think they're both better fits than Ryan Fitzpatrick for in O'Brien's mind, number one. But that fan base absolutely wants Ryan Mallett to start. That's been an issue down there. And if and I think if it's Hoyer to start the year, he's going to get the hook when they invariably have bad quarterback play.
3: Good running game there, but their receivers. We'll see. DeAndre Hopkins. They should have a good running game. DeAndre Hopkins, Cecil Shorts, rookie Jalen Strong. Your tight end is Garrett Graham, C.J. Fedora. I mean, that's, wow.
4: you're not d- generating as much as excitement as the Rams backfield. You're not cooking
3: right. with heat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jalen
1: Strong, Philly guy, kind of like that. Uh, you're always just showed up in shape. rolls their eyes.
3: Let's, <laughs> let's talk Cowboys running backs. And this is a, a conversation. You know, we've we've talked about the Cowboys running backs. You know, throughout the off season, how do you see this battle shaping up during camp? Because you've you've kind of been in the McFadden. Case I see
4: Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, and every Cowboys beat writer handing the job mm. to Joseph Randall. But John Daly is a man of vision. <laughs> John Daly, <laughs> yes, I love this. John Daly, the golfer, okay, predicts a two thousand yard season for Darren McFadden.
1: He sure does, everybody. <laughs> this is gonna be good.
2: Couldn't disagree more,
1: and I think you're going and to you see. You agree with
2: that, Wes? No, I you think, just threw that out there. I think there. one thousand. Okay. Well, that, that's, a big that's fair. I think you're looking absolutely at a committee structured backfield number one. It's going to just it just has to break down that way, and I think that what they had last year was a one year situation for Dallas. Rome was not going to get by with throwing the ball 430 times. It's going to be much closer to putting him back near the 500 mark, and they're going to Des Bryant's going to have a huge year because they're going to lean on him much more than they plan to.
1: It's They're, not good for Romo's back either because that – I mean, DeMarco Murray was able to really bail him out of situations and take that pressure off of him literally and figuratively. But I So it hurts your back
3: to hand it. off and then watch someone run no, 1.7 yards No, but if per he carry.
1: can't hand the ball off and he's throwing and throwing and throwing, yeah. Well It's
4: got a point here. Mathematically, the more times you throw, the more times you can get hit.
2: And, Wes, you pointed this out before too. Randall and all, he can talk all day long. I don't really care about this. He's let his mouth go off. Most of his production last year came what late in the game when the defense had dealt with Demarco Murray for three and a half quarters and they were exhausted. That's when Randall's big numbers came. You, this is that, not. A, that's
3: a little bit of a myth, though. I, well, when that's when I not went, a myth. Re- Rewatch this thing. He had a couple of big plays late. He looked good all the time. I think it's more just can he do it for more than 125. Whenever you a when
2: they show guy. when he goes and plays starter type snaps, that's when he starts to to not do it. So you you view him as a 20-carry-a-guy game? No, I do not
3: I view him as a guy who's going to split the carries, and I think this whole battle is almost misplaced because the battle is... Gonna be Randall versus the guy that gets cut from another team eventually. Would, would I think that's the, that, be, that's the Cowboys. Or Chris
4: game. Johnson. Would you say there that you Joseph like that. Randall and Trey Mason are in the top five running backs in the league?
3: Oh, st- oh wow! <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> what these guys are on your Mount Rushmore for the NFL? I'm saying they're good secondary pieces. Randall is a guy. They
4: put he- the rush in your Mount Rushmore.
3: Oh, give me a break! Hey, you know, you're rooting on Darren McFadden, who had one good year where he ran you know straight ahead Too very good years. fast. Yeah, that was 20 years ago. Can do that behind this offensive line. You know, get you know. I think Wes, we need to bring you to the present. And so the present, you know, Darren is not too exciting. The present, also the the Bills' quarterback situation, not too exciting. Matt well, Castle is the guy. Ghastly. Who looks like the favorite, but we he might not even make the team. This is this is your next one, Wes.
4: Yeah, you've mentioned that the Texans could be decided within a week. This one might take until September to figure out who's going to start, and the battle isn't like. Gurley and Bradford, a guy versus his health. It's Matt Castle versus the Bills' final roster. Mm. Mm. If he loses the starting job, I don't think he even makes the team.
2: And they've talked about him being on the bubble for the last month plus. And I think that this is – no- when you don't have a solid quarterback, and unless you want to believe all the Tyrod Taylor mythology, which maybe it comes true. <laughs> we don't know. Is but- there any? Well, there is because Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, was, Rex Ryan yeah. likes was this he type born of quarterback. In a or
3: something Ryan I don't know. <laughs> let's give That's me the mythology. Myth.
2: <laughs> here's here's what I'd say though. Whenever you have a situation like this, let's check in December. Every one of these guys will start.
1: It's such a shame. Like, they have such a great defense, and they added all of these pieces, and Rex Ryan, he just never has a quarterback, ever, wherever he goes.
3: It's kind of a co- – It's what's the chicken or the egg here, though? Is it that Rex Ryan has no idea how to find a quarterback or find someone who can coach a quarterback or knows how to coach a quarterback, or he's just been really unlucky? You know what I mean? Com- like a combination of all those things, potentially? I mean, yeah. that's sort of what it is.
4: These guys were so bad in the, in the spring that there's a narrative starting to be built by Buffalo bloggers, that EJ Manuel is actually pretty good, and Doug Marone just ruined him. I, and it cracks scenario? me
1: up. Who's the
3: favorite here? Do we think?
1: I mean, Matt Castle, I guess. Is I there know. a scenario where they could be successful with one of these guys?
3: I I think. Well, I think the rest of their team is good enough. I think Manuel. I'm not ready to write the book that EJ Manuel's, you know, the worst player ever, and is Blaine Gabbert. Maybe he can be. The 20, maybe he can be Brian Hoyer last year, which is not exciting at all. But maybe that and a great Bills team around him wins eight or nine games. Well, this is I don't a, think be a this is team.
2: this is hard to say. But Kyle Orton, because for all his ups and downs, he's not as mistake prone as some as the, of these guys. And I he would take was, Kyle Orton over these three. Kyle Orton was absolutely
4: horrendous in December last year when right. I went was doing the Sammy Watkins making the leap. Kyle Orton. His ball placement was probably the worst Would in you the take NFL. him
2: over these three guys? No. What Would you? Because t- I don't go Matt Castle. That's who they wanted, but he's shown up to be. No, pick, I'd go with Tyrod
4: master. Taylor. I already know the rest of the guys stink. Well, Let's we don't find know out what Taylor, Taylor does. We don't know.
3: One, one of your old crushes was Greg Roman, offensive coordinator now of the Bills. And the difference between this and the Houston battle that we talked about earlier. Okay, these quarterbacks are not exciting at all. But they do have Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, Percy Harvin, Charles Clay, LaShawn McCoy. It's like... They've got so much talent around them. Maybe, maybe they don't need to be that good.
2: Well, good. all right, and point to all those NFL teams without a quarterback that make that case. I mean, there just aren't that many. They were 9-7 and seven last year with bad quarterback play. Could they duplicate that?
3: Potentially, yeah. One team uh, that knows their quarterback is San Francisco, Colin Kaepernick, uh, but they don't know their running back quite yet. Carlos Hyde yeah. you know, figures to be the starter. We're calling the 49ers running back is your choice
1: well you look at Carlos Hyde and Reggie Bush Carlos Hyde last year he obviously had Frank Gore ahead of him but they tied for team high four touchdowns woo but I mean we don't know what he's going to be but I think he shows way more promise than Reggie Bush who has been hurt who had such a down year and who just seems like he's on the decline and on his way out
4: I don't think Reggie Bush is a 200 carry a year guy and I think the Dolphins, for one year, were the only team that ever saw him that way. So I'd be surprised if it wasn't Hyde. But don't forget another guy on Greg's Mount Rushmore: Wait, what you Kendall saying? Hunter,
3: Mount Rushmore.
4: A, a Greg
2: Rosenthal favorite for years,
4: coming Kendall off an
1: ACL, right? Yeah,
2: he looked pretty good in the spring. Well, they have talked up Bush as a guy that can be that, but that just feels like an off-season win to me because Hyde is the—I like Hyde. I, you know, he—he he wasn't perfect every game, but the issue there is that Frank Gore, number one, was Frank Gore, but he was playing behind last couple of years, one of the best offensive lines around, and they are stripped down. I don't like the situation for any of the running backs behind what they have going on up front.
3: Well, it, let's, let's be honest. If Reggie Bush and Kendall Hunter are big factors here in terms of the starting job and splitting carries evenly three ways, then something's gone wrong with Hyde. That's, yeah, sure. that's, yeah. that's not the idea. And, right.
1: And yeah, exactly. Plus, as you said, Mark, Mikey Potty, he's with the Cardinals now. He was their best run blocker. It's that's not a good situation.
3: There's questions up and down this offense, really the entire team. I think they're looking at Hyde as someone that, you know, that should be making a leap. That should be a guy who is a centerpiece. Wait, is their he making offense. the leap? He was not on our making the leap list. He did. I believe no, he was, was. On the making the leap list. It was early on. I forgot. He was like
2: six or seven, wasn't he? Seven, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Well, we might want to forget about him.
3: We'll no, see. I think he lost 15 pounds.
1: Is so. that good? Yeah. Hey, he's it's, coming in. It's, he's looking mm, spry.
3: It's never a bad thing uh, when you lose 15 pounds. It's never a bad thing when Colleen Wolf joins us in the podcast I studio. 15 pounds. No. <laughs> <laughs> excellent you, segue you, by Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um... But she's got to leave us right now. We still have a couple more yes. battles to go quickly, but you have to run off I and do. do a couple now segments. So we're we're gonna say goodbye to you, mid show, guys. It's
1: been real, it's
3: All been right.
2: fun two in a row for Colleen.
1: I know. I'm just gonna keep staying here.
3: Well, you'll note I didn't. You know, you know, I said we're we're full of heroes here because I mean Colleen is a hero at this. She's
4: point. yeah, she's part of the show now.
3: She she's on the show, and we'll figure this out. This is great. We'll figure out ways to keep that going, Dan. You know, sorry, but no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait till Dan's back. Thank you, Colleen. All right, guys. We just have a couple more minutes here. We'll wrap up. Mark, uh, you want to talk a little Browns running backs. They, they make our list of the eight uh, most intriguing position battles.
2: That sounds like a shot at Mark. Yeah, that, that did wasn't. sound a little bit like, you know, but it's a legitimate battle because, number one, <laughs> I wonder if they run the ball more than any team in the AFC this year because who's going to throw the ball? I mean, I, you, they don't want to get into situations where Josh McCown has to you know, throw 20-plus throw times a game. So I look at, number one, I think this would have been less of a battle if it were just what they had last year, which would have been Isaiah Crowell and Terrence West, and the way they managed those two backs was a little bit enigmatic last season because mm. suddenly some guy would be inactive. I thought the Crowell was the better runner on tape, a totally undrafted dude. West seemed to have some locker room issues, got in it with Ben Tate. Ben Tate was meant to be the guy they cut him, but now they've got Duke Johnson, and all of the buzz you hear out of OTAs and minicamp, was that Duke Johnson's going to be a larger and larger part of this. When I did do that backfield rankings and talk to someone from the Browns, he mentioned Duke and Johnson. He mentioned Duke <laughs> Johnson and nobody else at all. My question
4: would be, do you believe they see him as more than just like a passing down specialist?
2: I think for this year – he is, and they talked about him as a Gio Bernard-type guy. I think they, they've gone up against the Bengals and saw what the combination of Hill and Bernard can do. When you put Bernard in the right role, where he wasn't a feature-type guy, you've got someone else pounding the ball. But Duke Johnson, if you know, and because he's I've gone back and looked at some of his stuff from Miami, he is better between the tackles, than i expected he isn't he is probably the on that in its college tape but he looked like the best runner of anyone in cleveland so i think this is something that's a developing situation and they don't know right now who's going to win that so it's a true
3: battle i loved everything i heard about duke johnson coming out he just sounded like maybe the most com, you know complete guy the type of guy who he slips,
4: fits your profile
3: it slips a little
4: 58 195 pounds yeah, he's a he, is, you're right. he is you're
3: right he's not a big guy now
2: He's not, and so that's you have to wonder in the AFC North what that means for his role, so I think you might be on to a passing-down type specialist.
3: Who, who plays Mark Sessler, intrepid reporter, in the CBS uh, 8 o'clock on Wednesday show? That
2: sounds like a bad time slot. No, that's great. <laughs> CBS, it, I mean, I a lot know. of
3: ratings. Not a lot of young people watching it necessarily. But it What's feels CBS? Like it's one of those procedural shows. <laughs> Mark Sessler.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't do casting for roles and fictitious television shows involving us.
3: <laughs> Wrapping up, uh, I'm going to just mention briefly, I think the the Steelers linebackers, I just wanted to have some defense on here. Initially I had Titans receivers, and then I realized we had eight straight offensive positions. Hmm. So I threw the Steelers linebackers, and we, and we already hit upon uh, the Steelers defense a little bit. But it's something to watch because if, if James Harrison is still playing two-thirds, three-quarters of the snaps for them. that That's just not what you really want. I know he played okay last year, but you have Jarvis Jones, who is supposed – people love Jarvis Jones coming out. You have Bud Dupree. I know they bring along first-round picks slowly, but you would love to see those guys on the field and actually creating a pass rush because otherwise, you know, I don't think you can really count on Cameron Hayward to be your, your prime pass rusher.
4: Is Arthur Motes involved. In- yeah,
3: he, he might be the projected starter right now, Arthur Motes. That's
4: kind of deflating for Steelers fans because – This defense, I mean, they're in a make-or-break kind of window for what this defense is going to be post-Dick LeBeau, and they have to hit on these first-round drafts.
2: Yes. Which they had not done for many years. And one of the reasons that these Steelers teams can, you know, in quotes, bring rookies along slowly is because they had a laundry list of high-octane veteran producers. That's when you don't have – you can show patience with your first-year guys. Not now. They don't have the
3: luxury of it now. Right, and I'm – Really intrigued by this defense and really this team right now because Dick LeBeau, some people think he's the greatest defensive coordinator of all time or or he's one of them. He's in the conversation. And, and, And the run that he just had with the Steelers is legendary. You'll never be able to take that away. But Mike Tomlin's never had his defense since he came there. I mean, he inherited LeBeau and he made a smart decision to keep him and that worked out great for everyone. But now it's a big change. It's really Tomlin's time, and, and you're right, maybe they're not going to work people along slowly anymore. Maybe they'll throw those rookies right in. Everything is a little but different. The, this team can win another Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm. He's right in his prime. The why offense not? looks great. Why not?
4: The three, the, Their defense coordinator now, Keith Butler, who's been basically LeBeau's right-hand That's man true. for a, a over a decade. That's fair. I wouldn't expect him to do much different.
3: Well, it
2: reminds That's me of point. Arizona where, yes, the coordinator switches in, but like Arian said, not a single thing is going to change schematically. And what, Pittsburgh's not going to – you, you, I ha- think you they're drafted all these guys. Yeah. Well, maybe, but you're not going to suddenly – you're not going to change your whole front seven look because you drafted these guys for – the previous regime
3: I guess it's, a, it's an interesting time I think for the Steelers because I think like you said that Super Bowl window is wide open it's a, an interesting time for Tomlin who's had so much success and yet you feel like he could be if he had a terrible season would he still be there and yet they could win a Super Bowl and then he could be there for the next 10 years he could be a guy who wins two Super Bowls they're just one of those teams they're like a boomer bust team
4: They've had I'm convinced three myself. head coaches since 1970, right? Right, not exactly. They don't panic, but yeah, they don't panic. But there's
3: at all. but there's also been some talk about you know Tomlin being sternly warned by ownership about some of his actions, hmm. some of his off.
2: Well, the last time they ushered someone out of town, that was Bruce Arians. Right, I didn't it. like that move. How about this? Cult Steelers AFC Championship. I'm suddenly Ooh, as I'm I talking, like I feel like
3: I'm convincing myself into picking the Steelers to win the Super Bowl or something like that. Although I always have the Patriots in there, but. Winning,
4: winning the Super Bowl. Well,
3: don't you think? Because I think the offense is going to be great, and all they need to do is get twenty uh, percent of their offense and have is a good, absolutely loaded. Good-looking defense. I could see them being right in the mix.
4: When we did weakest position groups, yeah, they were. They made the finals on safeties and cornerbacks.
3: That's a problem.
2: That's a problem. <laughs> That's
3: not good. But at that. least
2: they have the ability to win shootouts. Yeah, because they're going to be in a whole bunch of them. So, Absolutely.
3: so uh, a lot of position battles, I guess, on the Steelers defense and the backfield you know, defensive backfield linebackers. We hit the eight uh, biggest ones in the league. Hope you enjoyed it. That's our uh, our Monday show. And uh, I love
5: the way you do this, Greg. What? You always remember.
3: Just start wrapping it up. What the end do you of
5: mean? the show. You always I always
3: remember what?
5: You know, the, go ahead. Do what
3: you do. Oh, wait. You're talking about your segment that we haven't done in two weeks and not one person has even mentioned it on Twitter. Hey, That's where's that true. segment?
5: That's not true. That's I'll tell you segment? what, though. Actually, TD, I'll tell over, you what.
3: over the weekend, what happened?
5: Yeah, over the weekend, I listened to the last show, and uh, it was a great episode about all you guys, including future Mark Sessler. So I would say this. Future Mark Sessler has an MVP award. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Present day, not so much.
3: That's fine. At All right, so I'd, who won it this I time, like the then? Arc.
5: For today's show, uh, two words, guys. Uh, flu game. So I'm going to <laughs> give it to my man. All right. All I right. like that one. You know, sticking Fair. it out. And uh, I did did like Mark. Uh, he set up a money tagline. Laundry list of high-octane producers. That sounds like <laughs> <money> that. <tag. laughs> that is pretty good. My man Brandon Nashawn, man. Wes.
3: Wes. I, I mean, it was all worth it. All the, all the gut, the puke and the guts <laughs> and the blood and
2: sweat. This is why lift, we lift all those weights. This is why we play this game. <laughs>
3: we're like shot out of a
2: 1970s NFL cannon. Your all production right. today.
3: Yeah. Every, everyone will be happy. Uh, Dan Hansis will be back in the host chair on Thursday and we'll have all four of us together back again. So that'll be the next time we're here on Thursday. It's almost training camp time uh, for Colleen Wolf, who did a great job for us. What What song is that? We have a new outro song, T.D. Wow, oh, T.D. Whoa, Give me a whoa. break.
2: that's
4: wow.
3: my dad. Thoroughly LVP. Oh, God. LVP. LVP award goes yeah, to T.D. Let's keep this all in the, in the show. T.D.'s
4: defense, he hasn't produced since we that
3: became his That oh, is right. true. This, will be, my first
5: time. this <laughs> he, will be my first he time. He never makes it to the end <laughs> of the no show. No lie. This will be my first time playing. <laughs> I've been dancing this lately. Yeah. Still.
3: Give me a break, T.D. But again, we want to thank Colleen for stopping by. Mark Sessler. Td just start anytime you want. <laughs> there it is, finally, uh, for Mark Sessler, Colleen Wolf, Chris Wessling. I'm Greg Rosenthal. Thanks for listening once again. Back on Thursday.